All right. You know, you, you folks are the most friendly, really talkative, loving people that I've just sat and watched. It's good to see. All right. If you have your celebration guide, if you are a guest, meaning your first, second, third time, if you would please fill out the registration and rip, rip it off and then drop it in the offering plate, we would appreciate that very much. We will be observing the Lord's Supper right at the end of this service, and then we'll be going next door where we've got about 43 people to baptize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy for that. Um, and then, of course, you can read all the upcoming events. Um, uh, Pastor Steve wanted me to announce that tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, if you're able-bodied, they're going to be removing the, um, what do you call them? The soccer, indoor soccer walls. The indoor soccer walls. Going to be moving those into the storage area, uh, getting ready for basketball. So um, if you can't at all help, uh, many hands make light work and it goes faster. Um, and so let's see, what else today? We did the Lord's Supper, the guest. Uh, you can look on the back about the uh Focus on the family. I would really encourage you. It, it's not costing anything. Uh, focus on the family is just phenomenal. And we look so forward to, to being with them. All right. Well, we're glad that you're here. And again, as I told the first service, the words of the songs today, especially the first song, really are, are great to go with the message. So we'll sing from the heart. First, let's stand. Welcome somebody around you to church.
song for us. I'm sure you've heard it.
reach out to him and ask him for help. Amen?
Thank you, Jesus, for the promise that everything changes when you walk in the room, Father, when you are present with God's people and you say you're present where two or more believers are gathered together to worship you. So you're at Gulf to Lake Church this morning, the very presence of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Father, for loving us, forgiving us, for seeing us complete and whole even when we fail you, Father. We come to you this morning and just ask your forgiveness wherever we have let you down. Help and, and show us how to improve our walk with you, Father, until we get to heaven because everything changes then, Father. We love you so much this morning, Jesus. And Father, I thank you for this group of people that are here this morning, a community of believers that are here to worship you, Jesus. We praise you, we honor you, we glorify you in all that we do. The communion that we're going to take, Father, is all because of you. So our offerings we lay at your feet, Father. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. to bring in some more chairs that we have over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that means you're going to be a little tighter. I hope you know that. I hope that's okay, hope that's okay with you. Um, I am so excited about today's sermon because of um, just the excitement of the truth of what we're going to talk about today. We started last week with a new series and we talked about having resentment and how we need to forgive other people. Well, today we're going to kind of turn inward now and talk about forgiving uh, ourselves. See, misery and bitterness are like twins, you know, resentment and regrets. And continually um, in, in my ministry, uh, I will hear people say things, and I've said it uh, in the past before, Man, if I only knew to, if I only knew back then what I know today, you ever thought that? 
boy, if I, you know, if I could just erase that part of the past, if I could just start over, if I could just begin again, you know, the if, the if, the if. Well, everybody has regrets. I think we would agree with that because we've all sinned. You know, we've all done things, said things, made bad decisions, hurt ourselves, hurt other people. You know, you know when, you, when you cut yourself physically, you automatically will bleed. And it's a natural consequence. When you violate your conscience, you will automatically have regrets. And you will have them and continue to have them unless you do not deal with them biblically to the point that your conscience, the Bible talks about being seared. And then it's, you're beyond anything then. But today, everybody, I, I am so excited because everybody in this room can walk out of here today with a clear conscience. And I mean that. I mean, you can walk out of here knowing that there, everything in your life is, a, it is clean, it is over, it is done. And you can live from now on in a, in a, with, with a, a heart and a, a mind of no regrets. All right. Um, Psalm 32, 1, David says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The word blessed simply means happy. Happy is the man who, who doesn't have regrets. So this morning, I want to talk about three quick things as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. And it's a great natural lead-in. But I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what we usually, many people, what we usually do with regrets. Secondly, what should we do? And third, what does God do and want us to do with him? So let's jump into that first section. What should or what do we normally do with them? All right, first of all, we usually bury them. This is, we're talking about most of the culture of America today. We try to bury them. We try. How many of you ever heard the phrase, hey, man, just bury the past? You ever heard that? Just bury the past and go on. That's nonsense because it doesn't work. It's like these stupid movies they make today where zombies keep coming back and you kill them and they keep coming back and keep coming back. And I'm going to tell you something. I am so glad that I'm not growing up today. And let me, no, no, I know, I know a lot of you are thinking, but I'm going to tell you why. When I was growing up, they didn't have cell phones. And they couldn't take your picture and video of you wherever you were at and whatever you were doing. You know, these guys today, they can hardly get away with anything because somebody's going to be taking a video of that. There's regrets. How do we, you know, we try to, well, get, let me give you these things that are not in your notes. First of all, here's the way we try to bury them. One is we try to minimize them. And I'm telling you things that I've done back in my early days before I became a believer. You know, minimize it would be saying like, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, what I did wasn't that bad. It didn't hurt anybody. It wasn't that important. But now I realize if it wasn't that important, why am I still holding on to it after all these years have gone by? Why does it still bother me? Why can't I forget it? So we minimize it. Secondly, we try to rationalize it. You know, we all done that, right? Well, they're doing it. You know, I'm not the only person. I know other people that do that. Well, let me just tell you something. That makes no sense to your conscience. Your conscience doesn't buy that. 
listen, you will always find somebody who is better in your mind that is better than you or worse than you. And that will always lead to either pride or to bitterness. When, when people feel regrets or feel guilty, we want to throw up a smoke screen and, and try to cover it. But folks, if you do, listen, if you do something enough, as I said, your conscience will get hardened. So let the Lord speak to you today. Proverbs 28, the man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. You can't bury your regrets. Number two, we not only try to bury them, we blame others. We blame others. Psalm 50, 20 says, you are always ready to accuse your own brothers and to find fault with them. I've told you before that is a tactic that is as old as mankind. Adam and Eve, you know, when, when, when Adam sinned and God came to him, I've told you before that Adam took it like a man and blamed Eve. And he said, the woman, and not only that, he took another step and blamed God. He said, it was the woman you gave me. You know, the woman you gave me is the one that did that. So that's been around a long time. We love to blame. When I'm doing something, I, I, I kind of want to um, not focus on the 10 or 20% wrong of somebody else and not my own 80% where I'm wrong. And that's a very difficult thing to do. We want to balance it out. We want to we balance the guilt. So let me move on. We blame others. Three, we beat ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We try to, listen, instinctively, we try to pay for our sins. Amen? Instinctively, the things that we've done wrong. Here's what David said. Look at this strong statement in Psalm 38. I am drowning in the flood of my sins. They are a burden too heavy to bear. Because I have been foolish, I'm utterly worn out and crushed. My heart is troubled. Now, David had just committed adultery and murder. So no wonder he felt miserable. Amen? And, and there, listen, he talks, there's a lot of forms of self-punishment. There's, you know, we talked about it last week, illness. You can make yourself sick. If you don't deal with what God's doing in your heart, you can make yourself sick. Depression can be a form of a self-inflicted punishment. The ultimate form of self-punishment is suicide. And I was reading this week, getting ready for today, that it is now the number one killer of college students in America. And it is the number two cause of, of death in high school students in America after accidents. Why? Because people feel condemned and they don't know what to do with it. See, there's, there's a problem with this self-inflicted punishment, and that is my conscience doesn't know when to quit. And it just keeps going over and over and over. And things that you might have done 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, your conscience never knows when enough is enough. It'll just keep on. There's a much better way. Amen? There's a much better way. The part that I love to get to, and here it is. What do, should I do? Number one, admit it. Just first, just admit it. Just 
and I don't mean just say, yeah, here's what I, stay with me on what this really means. David says about what he did in Psalm 51, three, I recognize my faults. I'm conscious of my sins. Psalm 32, he said, I decided to confess them to you and you forgave how many? All my sins. Folks, this can be the most painful step for some people. I was wrong. I sinned. We don't want to say that. Listen, here's what happened to me many, many, many years ago when I became a believer. It didn't take me long to realize God was not shocked by me telling him what I did. Because he had already done it. And when you look at this word in, in Psalm 32, and it's, it's in, the, in, in all the, in the Bible, the word for confession in the Greek is the word homologeo. Homo meaning same, like homosexual. You know, same sex thing. And legeo meaning speak. So homologeo means to speak the same. Here's what that means. I speak the same as God about my sin. I admit that what I'm doing, I confess it, meaning I agree with what God says about it, and I'm, I'm willing to change from that. And you have two options. You can either live a life of confession or condemnation. You can confess it to God and get it out of your heart and out of your mind, or you can go around in condemnation. But folks, confession, we have to understand, it's, it, it means more than if, if in your mind you're thinking, yeah, I shouldn't do that. I should quit that. All right, I'm, I'm going to really do that. But in your heart, you know you're going to go right back to it. That's not confession. That's not repentance. Repentance is changing your mind about something but leads to a change of action. Okay? And so when we confess, we agree with God that what we're doing is not the right thing. How many of you ever tried to bargain with God? I have. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. You know, if you'll do this, if you'll get me out of this, I'll go to church every Sunday. And I'll, I'll give and I'll, you know, whatever you ask me to do. God is not moved by bargaining. He just probably laughs when he, when he hears us doing that. You Listen, you don't have to bargain with God, amen? You don't have to bargain with it. Admit it. Number two, this is hard. Accept God's forgiveness. Accept God's forgiveness. I see, listen, I see people all the time, and I, I would ask you, how many of you, because I would raise my hand to say I've done that, how many of you would say that you have confessed a sin and you felt really sincere about it, but you couldn't forget it? Anybody? Just me. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. We all go through that. Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. Would you like to live with no condemnation? Guilt-free, without regrets? That's what he says we do. When you commit yourself to Jesus and you ask him to take all of your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, take it all, folks, God wipes the slate clean. Did you hear that? You can walk out of here perfectly clean. And, you know, one of the most important words in the Bible, and you'll find it especially in the book of Romans, is the word justified. 
You know, the Bible says that Jesus died for us so that we could be justified. And someone said, I didn't make it up, but someone said that means that you are, it is justified, never sinned. And that is what God does, to be free and to enjoy a life. Now, not in your notes, so if you want to write these things quickly, how does God forgive? Number one, instantly. Instantly. There's no delay. There's no wait. There's no drawing it out on his part. No hesitation. It's the moment that you sincerely ask for it. It's almost the opposite of the way that we like to forgive. When we forgive somebody else, we kind of like to hold on to something. You know, stick a little knife in it and want them to come back begging for forgiveness again. That's not what God does. It is instant. Number two, he forgives completely. This is what we all have such a hard time with. See, we like to hold on to a little bit of the guilt, okay? Especially if it's somebody else, so we got a little leverage against them. But listen to these verses. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, you have removed my sins from me. How far is that? They never meet. You, you, can't, you can't, east and west will never meet. The further you go, the, the, the other one just keeps going with it. And that is what God means here. How about Isaiah 38? You have cast all my sins behind your back. God doesn't even want to look at them anymore. John 3, 17, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Isn't that wonderful? Well, let's move quickly to number three, because all three of these go together. Forgive yourself, accept the forgiveness from God. Now, forgive yourself and focus on the future. Forgive yourself and focus on the future. For many people, this is the hardest step of all, to forgive themselves. Isaiah 43, he says, the Lord says, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. Are you listening? It's never too late to start over. Failure is not failure unless you just don't try anymore. You know, there's another verse in the Bible that says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. And that to me, we like the rises again part, but to me, I like the part that says, yeah, even those of us that are righteous will fall sometimes. But we keep getting up and moving forward. I've had, listen, I've had so many people over the years that would sit across from me and, and they would say this statement, and I'm gonna, I hope none of you will say this after you leave here today. They would say, well, pastor, I guess I just got to live with this the rest of my life. You ever heard that? I guess I'm going to have to just live with this the rest of my life. You know what they've done? They've doomed themselves. It's a self-imposed sentence on their life. Folks, the truth is God loves to forgive people. He loves to give you second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. He loves to do that. You say, well, preacher, I know, but you know what? You can't, you can't unscramble eggs. No, but you can make an omelet. Amen. And God says, I can return the beauty for, for the ashes. And he says, I can restore the years that the locusts have eaten away. I'm telling you right now, it is not where you have been 
that matters right now. It is where are you going? Where, where, and where are your feet directed now? Where is your heart directed? All right, too quickly. So forgive yourself and focus on the future. Now, two quick things. What does God want to do in all this? Here we go. Number one, God wants to clean your conscience. Another verse I love, Isaiah 118. Come, let's talk this over. He says, let us reason together. Says the Lord, no matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Isn't that wonderful? That's a great verse. There's no detergent that can make that claim. All powerful, dominant, tide pods can't do that. He says, I want to clean your conscience. I want to clear your memory. Folks, that's what God does with our sins. God doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. And listen, if we don't believe that we are really forgiven, then we're going to start. Are you listening? If you don't believe right now that you're really forgiven, every time something goes wrong, you're going to think God's getting even with you. Your car, something goes wrong with your car, God's getting even with you. My back goes out again, God's getting even with you. That's not what he does. God wants, listen, God wants to forgive you right now and clean you more than you want to be. That's who he is. Jeremiah 31, I will remember your sins, how long? No more. What an amazing verse. Listen. God does not forget anything. He is all, God knows everything in eternity, everything in the past, everything in the future. God already knows it. This, this kind of amazed me when I, this week I was thinking about if I were to say to God, what did I do and what did I say on January 18th or 1981? He could tell me. I don't remember a thing. But God knows all that. And here's the thing. He does not forget anything except one thing. You know what that is? Your sin. Your sin. God works a miracle on himself. The one who can't forget anything forgets your sin. Now, many of you have gone through a lot of pain. Some of you, many in here, we've gone through the pain of a separation or a divorce or a relationship that ended. And you might still have regrets about that. But if you've committed that to God and you've, you've gone to him and you said, Lord, about that and uh, Lord, the part I, you know, I had a little part in that or a big part in that, whatever it may be, Lord, God, I'm sorry, I repent. Please, please forgive me. He does it. And he wipes it out perfectly. I'm going to tell you something. If God, listen, if God wants to let it go, why shouldn't we let it go? See, the Bible says that Jesus Christ on the cross paid the penalty for all of our sins. The ones you committed yesterday, the ones you're going to commit today, and the ones you're going to commit in the future. He's already paid for that. And in the book of Psalms, it says that he takes our sins and puts them in the deepest part of the ocean. And one pastor said, and then sticks up a no fishing sign. So you won't go back and try to drag them out. 
God wants to change your conscience. Two, God wants to change your character. Now listen, this is, I believe, important. There's so much today, and, and we do. We sing about it, the grace and the mercy of God, how he takes our problems and our sins and, and, and how wonderful he is about all that. That is true. God loves you. And we'll hear pre preachers on TV, God loves you just the way you are. Yes, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. If there's sin in our life, he wants us to deal with it and to get rid of it. And he's already paid the penalty. God wants to change your character. All right, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Folks, God doesn't want you to turn over a new leaf. He wants you to have a new life and he will give that to you. During the Lord's Supper in the first service, I just felt so moved by this. God, God's been really blessing me all week with this, that it's all done. It's, everything's gone. It's forgiven. When he comes back, you stand before him. And I want to tell you something. How many of you would be willing to stand up, take a microphone, and say in front of everybody here, I am as righteous as Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute. Are you a Christian? Have you gone to the cross? Has his blood cleansed you? Then I can say, I am as righteous as Jesus Christ. Because if you're not, you're not going to make it to heaven. In order to make it to heaven, you have to be perfect. And the only way you can be perfect is Jesus. He becomes your perfection. When you trust him and ask him to forgive all those sins, he sends them all away. He forgives every one of them, puts his nature in you. So that if Jesus Christ comes in the next minute or two, we go to be with him immediately. Why? Because we are as righteous as he is. I know that's a hard concept for a lot of people. I want to share a quick, quick story and then I'll be done and have a prayer. On New Year's Day, 1919, Georgia Tech was playing the University of California in the Rose Bowl. Shortly before halftime, a man named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for California and somehow he became confused and started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. Y'all remember that. You maybe have seen it. A teammate caught him and tackled him before he would have scored for the opposing team. Then when his team, California, way down in their end, tried to punt, Georgia Tech blocked the punt, scored a safety. The team, it was halftime, headed off the field, went in the dressing room. They sat on the benches. Roy took a big blanket, put it over his head and over his face and his shoulders and said, took his helmet off and put his head in his hands and cried like a baby. Coach Nibs Price was the name was silent. They came in and said, three minutes till halftime's over. So Coach Price said, everybody that started the game, you'll start the 
second half. The players got up. They started out, all but Roy Regals. He, he did not move. The coach looked back and called him, and he was still there not moving. And he went over and he said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team starts the second half. He looked up with tears in his eyes and said, Coach, I can't do it. I've let you down. I've ruined the University of California, my family. I couldn't possibly face that crowd in that stadium if my life depended on it. And Coach Nibs Price reached out, put his hand on his shoulder, pulling him up and said, Roy, get up and go on back there. The game is only half over. And he went back and everyone that saw it and wrote about it later, he played the greatest game of his career in that second half. Now I want to ask you to bow with me because I want to say something about that. Let's bow. The fact is, we take the ball a lot of times and run in the wrong direction and we stumble and we fall. We embarrass ourselves, maybe, make mistakes and we're so ashamed that we may think, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to get up. I don't want to try again. God Almighty, through his Holy Spirit, is coming to you and putting his arm around you right now and saying, get up and go on back. The game's only half over. Don't spend the rest of your life regretting something that's done. What is it in your past that stings your conscience every time it comes to your mind? Maybe it's something that no one else even really knows about but you and God. But here's the good news. He loves you. He made you. He doesn't want you to live a life of regret. And Jesus would say, just give them to me. They're paid for. Give them to me. You may have tried therapy, counselors, books, seminars, yoga, meditation, but you can't get rid of it. Why? Because you don't have the power. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I know this morning you've spoken to many lives. There are people here, even here, suffering under a load of regret and guilt, tearing them apart. May they find release today, relax and trust you, and find forgiveness through Christ. So here's the whole issue. Are you in Christ? He can take away the guilt. It's free, it's instant, it's complete if you would just pray. Jesus Christ, I admit to you that I've sinned. And if that thing comes to your mind, admit that to him. He already knows it. Lord, I've sinned, and I may not understand it all, but I'm asking you to forgive me and clear my conscience, change my character. Lord, help me to forgive myself and let go of the past. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord 
will be saved. And that means forgiven. You men that are going to do the elements, if you would come forward now, please. While we're praying and just waiting. You do not have to be a member of this church to take the Lord's Supper. We would ask that you know that you are a born-again believer, that you have trusted Jesus, you're a Christian. We would ask for that, that you know him personally. And if you'll take the juice and the wafer and just hold it and wait till everyone's been served and then we will partake together. So, guys, if you'll go ahead.
And on the night that the Lord was betrayed, he met with his disciples. He took the bread and he broke it and he told them, this is my body which is broken for you. And then later that evening, he took the wine, the cup, and he passed it to them and said, this is now a new covenant made in my blood. Drink all of it. Thank you all so much for coming. What a great day. Great Sunday here already. And now for those of us that are going over to the uh, youth area, we're going to go baptize. And um, we hope to see some of you there. Rest of you, God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for being here.